this again? I, I it's it's been a while. I don't remember. Uh, Travis, you you uh, you got the intro down right with your uh, speaking the jazz. Um, do you want to do this from the Dynasty Football Factory and the Dynasty Football Network? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's that's James the Brain. That's Travis the Beard. I'm John Hogue, the Dynasty Dude, and this is Super Flexible. Good to be back, boys. Just in time for the end of the position dissection. One more episode. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're we're gonna talk man it's been <laughs> it's this turned into it's been a slog this turned this turned yep. into the hardest thing that i had i had to take a vacation from the position dissection that's all it was it wasn't anything else i had to just i had to get out of town and clear my head on 2017 rankings but here we are back to talk about the tight end position from 2017 how the tight ends finished and some outlooks going forward. We've even got a few sleepers for you, so let's get right into it. Tight end number one, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, man, so Travis Kelsey finished the tight end number one. Uh, not really shocking. I mean, he's he's kind of been on the up uh, for a while now, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, looking at Travis Kelsey and his finish, I don't know a whole lot changes. Obviously, the quarterback situation is, is a little bit different. I mean, uh, Alex Smith has already been shipped off to Washington. Pat Mahomes is the assumed starter there. Um, I think it'll be interesting to kind of see the chemistry that those two build early. I would think, I mean, normally when a young tight end or a young quarterback rather comes in, uh, they kind of lean on that tight end position a little bit. So I, I could see that kind of being the case here. Um, so I don't think Kelsey, um, I mean, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of change uh, for him as far as um, my ranking of him goes. Uh, what do you guys think? What do you think, Travis? Um, yeah, I think I think I mostly agree. I mean, it's Travis Kelsey. He's in conversation for number one NFL tight end, number one dynasty tight end, especially now with uh, the Rob Gronkowski retirement news. So if, I mean, we can just move on to him if you guys want to talk about Gronk. Well, I, I, I do think that there's a little bit more to Travis Kelsey. Cause oh, sorry, dude. I, no, dude, <laughs> I, I just, I think that we might have buried the lead here a little bit with Kelsey. I mean, there's, there's no denying the talent, but he, his, his quarterback for essentially his entire career, right. Just got traded to, to Washington. Um, he, uh, he had the best year that he's Alex Smith had the best season that he's capable of. And he rode that wave right to the, to the nation's capital. Now we switch over to Patrick Mahomes, second year pro, you know, he, he's had, he has one NFL start and I, I don't know, does this, does this do anything to you or to Travis Kelsey for you guys? Does this, do you have any concerns about Travis Kelsey with Pat Mahomes at quarterback? I think any, yeah, I mean a little bit, anytime you have a quarterback change, there's always a chance that the production for any of the surrounding players could drastically drop off or drastically increase or some, you know what I mean? Or just shift around within the offense and start, you know, those, those points start going somewhere else. So, I mean, it's a concern, but at the same time, you know, this is, he's, he's proven himself to be one of the best tight ends in the league. And how do you not utilize that guy, especially with a young unproven quarterback, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm still okay with them. And, I mean, we can talk about the tight end position as a whole as far as, like, our dynasty team-building strategy. I think we're all on the same page as far as none of us really want to pay up for any of the top guys uh, in a start-one tight end league. Um, I mean, speak up if you differ, but, I'd, I mean, I'd much rather spend that high, you know, third, fourth, fifth-round startup pick on a different position that I need multiple – assets in every week, you know? Um, so I don't have much Travis Kelsey. I ended up with one, one, I ended up with him on one team kind of as a throw in on a deal and I'm cool with it. Like I want Travis Kelsey, but usually I'm not going to pay the price that it takes to get him, but I, I'm okay. I'm still okay with him being 
in the conversation for, if not in the the number one tight end spot for, for dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, for the most part, I, I do agree with that. Generally speaking, these guys are all going to be out of, out of reach for me. I mean, there's, there's, there's just going to be better value there available to me though. But if there's not, you know, if, if for whatever reason, there's, it's a league that drafts, you know, kind of like me and (laughs) there's a big run on wide receivers early, then I wouldn't mind Kelsey or, you know, we'll get to Zach Ertz in a minute, maybe even Evan Ingram. I wouldn't mind those guys um, fairly early in the draft just because, I mean, I I feel like you can get low-end wide receiver one production from your tight end position um, if you've got one of those guys. But, yeah, I mean, uh, for the most part, you know, getting one of those guys is just a little too expensive and there's generally going to be better wide receivers available. But let's move on to the next one. Rob Gronkowski still ended up as the tight end number two. How many games did he miss this year? I don't even, I shouldn't ask this. I shouldn't ask stuff like that when I don't have the stats available myself to answer the questions. He, He missed two games with injury and then set out week 17. There you go. Thank you. Okay. So in I'm sorry, miss he missed most of week seventeen. I think he played in the first quarter. Oh, okay. Okay. And he still ended up as tight end too. So I mean, he 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 really is the best tight end in the NFL and for fantasy purposes as well. And I mean he can sleepwalk to that. The tough part with Gronk is the retirement talks have started. You know, he's already saying that he might retire this offseason. Even if he doesn't, this means that, you know, he's he's the watch is on every offseason until he actually retires. We're going to have to go through this same thing. We've been going through it with, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and uh, a handful of other guys. And, and it's a horrible place to be to own that guy and not know if he's going to play another season for you. So that's, that's the issue with Gronk. And uh, for that reason, he's kind of plummeting in my rankings right at the moment. What about you guys? Yeah, I haven't actually updated my rankings since all this news started to come out. It definitely concerns me though. I, I mean, honestly, I don't think I really buy it. Uh, I think he was, emotional and upset after the Super Bowl and said some stuff. And and I think he's going to be back, especially if both Belichick and Brady are back, which all signs are pointing to that happening. Um, so I actually think this might present uh, a buying opportunity. If, I mean, if you've got, I mean, and it's, it's legit, like he, you, you're seeing this, his price is going down. And as soon as this news came out, I had two different leagues where, they got in the group chat and was like, Hey, Gronk's for sale. And I'm like, okay, well that's the worst time to sell Gronk, but maybe it's the time to buy Gronk, right? Like this bad news blurb comes out and then all of a sudden he's on the trade block. And if you can get him at a discount, I don't, I think he's going to be back for next year. I think he's going to play and I think he's going to ball out like he normally does. So maybe even just a one year rental. And then you sell him at the end of the fantasy season before he can make some stupid retirement comments next year. Yeah, yeah, maybe you get one more year out of him before he co- becomes a a porn star. So, but I th- wait. I thought he was going to WWE. Is that right? Now he's, you do both, I guess. Oh yeah, the, I mean the two go hand in hand, <laughs> really. You know, like you you do one, you kind of naturally transition into the other. Um, they're kind of a gateway to one another, in fact. But yeah, it's like a chicken and the egg situation. Which one really <laughs> leads to the other? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both of them require you to be built a certain way and, you know, to be hairless and bronzed. So, yeah. He'll, well, he'll... Ron Jeremy disagrees, but let's move on. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. That, was, that was before any of our time. <laughs> uh, this is way, way. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting very. All right. So, t- <laughs> we're getting number three. We're getting very nuts and bolts on. <laughs> Uh, even the phrasing on that was wrong. So yeah, let's, let's just, let's, unless James has anything on Gronk, let's just move on. Well guys. Yeah. Uh, as far as Gronk goes, um, I guess the only thing I would add is 
Um, to, to be totally honest, I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned about the retirement talk. And I guess that's because Gronk has kind of built his own brand. And I, I think you guys kind of talked about it. I mean, what's he going to, is he going to go, is he going to be a porn star? Is he going to go to wrestling? I mean, he, he could pretty much do any of that, you know? And that's the thing is that I don't think Gronk has to do, has to put his body through all that stuff um, to make money. And I don't know if he has a passion for doing that or just kind of a passion to be a goofball off the field, you know? So um, I, I take the retirement talk a little <laughs> bit more seriously uh, than I would for an average player. I, lo- I like the idea of him being like particularly passionate about being a porn star. Like, has anybody <laughs> just, just been I like the porn star I, bit was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it started with the book, right? About uh, what is it? 50 shades yeah, of Gronk. Yeah. And, And then, I mean, he started reading it like on Conan O'Brien and stuff. And next thing you know, it's like there's there's some traction there. I think he's I I think he's seriously considering this. So so anyways, yeah, for me, he uh, you you want him on your dynasty roster if you're a contender or if it if you somehow get some kind of uh, um, extra points for. Um, some of the the naughty naughty things that he's going to be doing on Pornhub in the coming months. Um, otherwise, sell. Get, frozen look. Get wow. out from under him. Cut it him. all out. Cut get it all out. Under him. That's what she said. Frozen yeah. four loco snow cones too. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. This this episode is four locos tag. <laughs> four loco snow cones. <laughs> <laughs> And boo, boo Gronky. <laughs> do you, do you like that? <laughs> All right. Oh, anyways, oh my goodness. Totally yeah. off the tracks. All right. Tight end number three, Zach Ertz. He is not a porn star. Oh, is this a football podcast? Sometimes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Every now and then, a, a football discussion breaks out uh, in between our our uh, porn discussions. Cool. Yep. That's what I thought. All right. So Zach Ertz, uh, I don't, I mean, we're all bought in, right? Like he's awesome. I yeah. mean, is it really? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, I mean, his porn star name would be my ball Zach Ertz. But, um, other than that, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, I, I wow. <laughs> we can't, we can't do this. We gotta, <laughs> we, we gotta go. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we're keeping that. We're keeping this. that. That's too good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, here's here's the reality is this is a young offense, a great offense. Nothing is going to change for any of the guys involved. I mean, it, it sounds like not even Nick Foles is going to make it out of Philadelphia. So even if Carson Wentz isn't ready to go, I mean, we saw, we saw what Zach Ertz is with Nick Foles as well. And I mean, it's just going to continue, you know, he's, he's the number one receiving option in that offense. And I, I don't think that's going to change, you know, I, I really don't. So for me, I mean, Zach Ertz is, it's really tempting for me to make Zach Ertz my tight end number one overall in dynasty. Yeah, I, I really like the way Zach Ertz was used this year, too. I think he was put in a position to succeed more times than not. And I think, um, you know, the, the receiving options, you know, on the outside, Elshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar, um, being able to get open really freed him up a little bit more to do work the middle of the field more. Um, and, and it showed. I mean, he, he had a great year this year, and I, I don't see that changing. Um, I think the the supporting cast is going to be solid for Philadelphia again. Uh, with Carson Wentz coming back, I think that's even better for, for Zach Ertz. So, yeah, yeah, I'm all in on Zach Ertz, too. He's a younger option than some of these other guys that are uh, towards the top of the list. So, yeah, I'm, I'm buying in. What do you think, Travis? Yeah, I don't think we need to spend much more time here. Um, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a year younger than Kelsey and Gronk. So, I mean, they're all kind of in that same range, but um, – other, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think he needs to be discussed anymore. If you've got him, I mean, you've got one of the top two or three tight ends in dynasty football, and you just roll him out there. So, uh, number four, Delaney Walker is a little bit more interesting. I think this kind of is where it drops off a little bit. 
uh, and maybe maybe comes back up for with the next guy as far as overall dynasty goes. But Walker had only so let me just back up a little bit. Kelsey, Gronk, and Ertz all had eight finishes inside the top six at the position last year and only one or two outside the top 24. So, I mean, they were both, I mean, I didn't really have to break that down. Like they're elite options at the position. And then Walker is kind of the opposite story. He had three in the top six, but then he had 12, 12 out of 16 weeks inside the top 24. So he was just like this. I mean, he's like what you think of when you think of, like the average plug and play tight end, right? Like you're going to start him and he's going to get you what you need, but he's not going to win your week, but he's not going to lose your week. Like that's Delaney Walker. Um, And I was kind of surprised when I saw that because I didn't really, you know, he's not spectacular putting up all these big numbers. So you don't really see him in the same light as these guys, but he's consistently getting the job done for you. Um, Obviously concerns are he is going to be 34, almost 34 at the start of next year. Uh, and then they've obviously drafted Johnny Smith behind him. Um, so what do you guys think as far as, is his, is his job safe? Is his volume safe? Is, are you trying to get out while you still can, or is this guy just a solid piece that you're just going to keep rolling out there? Yeah. I, this one's tough for me to gauge because I, I guess I've always kind of liked Delaney Walker's game. I, I always kind of uh, appreciated the way that he attacked defenses and um, the, the consistency that he kind of put up over the past few years. But I think at this point, you, you probably are better off selling. And I, I guess I'm one of the I'm the type of person that would rather sell a year early than a year late. Um, and I think that this is probably about the time to, to sell Delaney Walker. Um, you know, he's coming off a decent season, obviously. I mean, he's a tight end four and a PPR finish. So, he should still demand, you know, a, a decent price. Should still be able to get something for him, and I think I think now is probably the time to move him. Um, like you like you mentioned, Travis, he's getting up there in age. I have some concerns about, uh, uh, you know, about his usage moving forward. Um, you know, if if Corey Davis is going to emerge as a true number one, which I kind of think he will, um, with the running game taking a step forward with Derrick Henry, which I, I also think could happen, uh, I think maybe that phases out uh, that tight end position a little bit either way. Um, so I, I yeah, I kind of think that now's the time to to get out from underneath Delaney Walker. Um, that's hard for me to say because I again I really really like his game, but I think now's the time I'd probably walk away. Uh, what are your feelings on it, John? I I'm pretty much the opposite, to be honest with you. I, I'm still I'm still very high on Delaney Walker. I I mean it's short term for sure. I mean he's going to be 34 when the season starts, but you know this was a very very down year for Marcus Mariota. We've talked about this in the in past episodes, but Marcus Mariota was a a shell of his normal self in 2017. And there's positive regression coming for Mariota. And, you know, for, for Walker, for him to still finish inside the top five, even with, you know, the complete lack of production from that entire offense, um, speaks volumes as as to his role in the offense currently. I mean, I will say that, you know, your your window is closing, definitely. But, I mean, if you, I, I think that if you can acquire Jonu Smith at a fairly low cost, then you you really don't you you really don't have much of a reason to ever back off of Delaney Walker. You know, you can just let him die on your roster and then, you know, when they pass the torch on to to Jonu Smith, then you, you know, then you move on to Jonu Smith and you're done with Walker and I mean to me it's a it's a fairly clean easy transition to make. So uh, for that reason, you know, I would I would stick with Delaney Walker. Um, that is kind of the caveat. You want Jonu Smith on your team in order to make that work. All right, next guy, though. Tight end number five in 2017 was Evan Ingram, who I, I mean, I don't see any of us uh, ranking him, you know, any lower than, than top five easily. He's, he should be easily top five in Dynasty, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think 
you know, Evan Ingram really showed that that athleticism um, on the field, you know, and and really contributed well on a on a Giants team that I mean was poor uh, offensively and defensively. That that team underperformed on both sides of the ball. Obviously, with Odell Beckham out, you know that that hurt. Brandon Marshall got hurt. I mean, there was a lot of injuries on that side of the ball, but the offensive line was limited, and Evan Ingram still was able to get his numbers, which means they weren't keeping him in. And that's probably a wise thing because Evan Ingram coming out of school was not a guy who could who could block in line very well. He was going to be more of a, a split out wide type receiver, which is why his fantasy value was so high. But you know, I I think the problem with Evan Ingram isn't isn't him as a player. It's it's the insane value that his his owners have on him. Um, Evan Ingram, if if you have him, you can probably get an absurd amount for him. And I'm not saying that he's not worth it, but I'm saying it's something to consider because um, the Giants may be bringing in a rookie quarterback. They've got a lot of other options in the passing game with Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the running game, but you've got to envision that they're going to address that at some point too and that offensive line. So I, I just... I guess my thing is is that I really like Evan Ingram an awful lot, but I think right now he's almost being overvalued by some of his owners. And if I had him, I'd probably be – I mean, I don't know that I'd be actively shopping him, but I'd be taking offers just to see what, what people would pay for him because I, I think – I think we've all kind of gone over how we value the position. I don't think any of us value it as highly as some other owners might. And if I could get, uh, you know, a good number two wide receiver and a draft pick or something like that, um, I think I might consider dealing Evan Ingram. What do you guys think? I'm I'm totally on board with dealing Evan Ingram. And I want to say before I get into that, this guy is going to be a starting tight end for you for years and years and years. So I don't want to sound like a, this guy's a piece of trash because he's not. And what he did in his rookie year is the exception to the rule for rookie tight ends. So I don't want to say that, that you know, I don't want to take anything away from him. But like you said, James, his value is insane right now. I've seen people that have him as their tight end one. And if I can get that sort of value or even top three, four, like, I mean, I, I honestly think that, you know, the... Would would he? Let me ask you. So, would Evan Ingram have been as productive as he was, or had the crazy outlier rookie year that he did, if Odell Beckham and every other receiving option on that team did not get injured? I think the answer is probably not. And I think it's it's one of another one of those let's not overthink this kind of things. Like, it their receiving options were, I mean, decimated. Right, like. Everybody knows that. And then all of a sudden, Evan Ingram has this big breakout year. Like, yeah, he's the only one on that team that could catch footballs. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why people are just like giving this guy the key, the, the keys to the tight end one overall castle. You know what I mean? And I, I know he's good. He's a very talented, super athletic move tight end who's, who's going to catch balls. But when they bring when they bring these healthy receiving options back, they'll probably add to the receiving core, and and on top of that, you're talking about a QB change in the next one to three top years. Like, and they're gonna find a running game, right? I just I think that I, again, I just it's let's not overthink it. I think this is one of those obvious sell high windows, and I'm, we're probably gonna get crap for that because there's some. Ingram truthers out there, man. And I just, I don't see, like, like I said, he's going to be, he's going to be a startable tight end. I just, I think the value inflation right now is, is enough to just get out and, and take the haul that you can get for this guy. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, I think you're probably right. I mean, you know, in the first six weeks of the season, his best finish was tight end eight. Um, but you know, beyond that, it was, he was barely inside the top 15 tight ends. And then all of a sudden it just kind of takes off. My one hesitation is the fact that there was such a short learning curve for him. Typically rookie tight ends don't do this, you know, rookie tight ends don't have this type of year. And I know that, you know, he, he ended up being the focal point of that offense for, for most of the season. But I mean, it also 
it's still what it, it was never that good of an offense. You know, it's not it, it's not like he was getting just a ton of volume or anything. You know, it was just kind of a there were a lot of three and outs for that for that team. I don't have the stats in front of me, um, but the fact that he was able to do what he did, especially when he's you know kind of, when he is the focal point, he's the focal point for the defense as well. And when he's able to do that as a rookie, it makes me a little hesitant to come off of that. You know, it makes me think that it, you know, he's, he's on an upward trajectory that's going to continue. Maybe not at the same rate, but it feels like there's still a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot better Evan Ingram production still to come. And uh, so it does make me a little hesitant to back off of him, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I've said my piece on it. I just, if, if you, if we, anytime we have an outlier situation, right? Like statistically speaking, Evan Ingram's rookie year was an outlier that just doesn't happen. So any anytime you have an outlier situation, you have to say to yourself, is he the greatest tight end of all time? Or is he probably going to regress? Like, or, or, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Like either, I mean, for him to maintain that outlier type crazy production value, he would have to be one of the best elite tight end prospects slash not even prospect players to ever play the game to continue on the trajectory that he started his career on. What's more likely? I mean, and I mean, if you just play the odds, the more likely situation is he's a very good player who is not going to maintain that level of statistical uh, output for for his entire career. You know what I mean? So yeah. I guess that's where I don't know. I just don't see it. I just don't see it as. And I could be wrong, you know. I mean that that definitely exists. He could actually. This could be the start of the greatest tight end we've ever seen. But I just don't. I'm not going to buy into that because it's less likely, and the 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 return you can get for him right now is at that level. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Hey, real quick, this episode is brought to you by GTBets.eu, an official sponsor of the Super Flexible Podcast and the Dynasty Football Network. Are you looking to get some action in on today's games? Head over to gtbets.eu for all of your sports betting needs with updated odds covering all major sports. The bottom line, gtbets.eu will have you placing your first bet within minutes with their simple-to-use registration process. So register now and earn up to $500 in free money. Simply add Superflex in the referred by field to get the highest possible welcome bonus. That's Superflex, all one word, for your welcome bonus at gtbets.eu. Right, let's move on to a couple uh, fairly controversial guys um, before we get into the uh, the real vanilla of the tight end position. But first of all, we've got Jimmy Graham, who was tight end six as, I mean, essentially the the touchdown producer for the Seattle Seahawks. And now he's going to be a free agent. And I mean, heaven only knows where he's going to end up. So, I mean, there, there have been rumors that he goes back to the new Orleans saints where, you know, he was, it was him and Gronk one a and one B at the tight end position when he was catching passes from drew Brees. Um, I, I don't know. I, does that, if that's his landing spot, does that move the needle for you? Is there any landing spots that he could go to that you know that that would uh, make a difference for you and and move him up in your rankings, or are we just kind of we just kind of past the Jimmy Graham era at this point? Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm past the Jimmy Graham era. I mean, that next next season is going to be his ninth year in the league. Uh, he's going to be 32 years old. Um, he's always kind of been touchdown dependent. I mean, if you kind of look, um, it kind of his his fantasy one tight end seasons, he had 11 touchdowns, nine touchdowns, 16 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, and then again last year with 10. 
which was really the, the whole reason why he was fantasy relevant last season. I mean, the guy only had 520 receiving yards. So I, I think with Jimmy Graham, I, I don't know that his landing spot's going to sway me too much. The only thing I'll say is if he lands on a team that doesn't have a clear number one option in the red zone, maybe that sways me a little bit. But I mean, touchdowns are so hard to predict. And I, I really feel like Jimmy Graham is touchdown dependent at this point um, of his career. Um, like I said, going to be 32 and entering his ninth year. So um, I think knowing that he's on the back nine of his career, um, I'm, I'm probably not going to buy a, a touchdown dependent tight end uh, entering his 32 year season. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I'm done with Jimmy Graham. Um, if I have him, you probably have to keep him. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of value for him at this point. Um, and just kind of keep your fingers crossed. Hope he has a good landing spot. And maybe then, you know, you can keep him or sell him depending on uh, if maybe his his uh, value rebounds a little bit. But that's kind of where I'm at with Jimmy Graham. I'm interested to see what you think, Travis, and where you're at with him. Yep, I, I'm out, man. I want out. I don't. I don't think he's going to regain any value. I think his value is the highest right now. It's going to be for the rest of his career. Um, And just for reference on what you were saying, he had 520 yards, like you said. He had 10 touchdowns, which led the tight end position. He is number one in touchdowns in, in out of tight ends, right? His 520 yards was 17th. So he had the 17th most tight end yards and the, the first – the, you know, the top tight end touchdowns. So that is like the, I mean, you can't get much more touchdown dependent than that. Right. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love Jimmy Graham, but I, everyone's career comes to an end. I'm not saying he's not going to be a usable piece for the next one to two years, maybe. But as far as, I mean, so even if he goes, if he goes to the saints, if he goes to wherever, like any other, like anywhere he goes, he's going to be valued higher than I'm going to want. Like the hype is going to build and I just, I don't see it anymore. And I mean, if he goes to the Saints, he could have another 10 touchdown year, sure. But is he going to have the catches in the yards to really be an elite option? Probably not. So I don't know. I mean, and, and that's like best case scenario, I guess is my point. So I think you you get out now while he's still got some, some value and. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I agree. And I mean, we all know better than to chase touchdowns and that's what you're doing with Jimmy Graham. I mean, if he happens to fall to, you know, to a tight end two in your startup draft, then, then sure. He's worth the flyer, you know, but the draft capital is going to take to get him at this point. It's, it's not going to be worth it. All right. So on to, Tight end number seven, and uh, this one is kind of on a tee for you, Travis. Um, real quick, I want to I want to tell a quick story here about Russell Wilson, who I started off the oh, season uh, fairly low on, and <laughs> ended up defending myself quite a bit on Twitter. And you know what that ended up doing for me is made me hate the guy even more. Like it became personal. So. You started off low on Jack Doyle. Since then, you've been arguing that point. How much do you hate the guy at this point, like as a person now, um, and not only as a uh, fantasy tight end? I, I love the guy, man. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> this is where you drop the oh, Doyle rules. No, so, so, <laughs> I, so I am low on Jack Doyle as a dynasty tight end. That's it. It doesn't go personal. I don't know the dude or his family or whatever. But what yeah. I do know, he knows you. He he I, has a lot to say about you. What I do know is he that thinks you should shave that beard because. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> let me know. Let me know when you want me to talk, John, and we'll go. <laughs> all right. Let's let, let's hear it. I'll I'll tell you later all the things that Jack Doyle thinks about you. Let's let, okay. I'll, cool. I'll let you say. Some so nice what I stuff. do know is that he. I'm going to say the word undrafted and you guys are going to kill me for it, but that's fine. He was undrafted. That's not the end of the world. There's lots of productive undrafted players, but he's also super unathletic. Do you guys, you guys want to just guess without looking wildly? This is not scripted. You didn't know I was going to ask you this. Do you want to guess what his 40 time was? 4.85. John? (laughs) 
Uh, let's go. I'll give him a little more credit than that. Let's go four, four, seven, four, nine, one. What? What did Don Terry Poe run it in? It was probably past. <laughs> I don't know. I can't find that. Um, four nine one thirteenth percentile at the position. So listen, this is like I. He had a good season. I'm not saying he's like a horrible person or or anything. <laughs> okay, he had a good year, and that's fine. I don't think he's going to have another one. And that's where I guess people get pissed off because this guy just isn't someone that you, that, that a successful, a successfully operating offense is going to run through. That's not this guy. He, he's an unathletic undrafted tight end. And I don't want to keep harping on the undrafted, but that speaks to, to me, that speaks to some of the unathleticism, right? Mm -hmm. Um, he had 15th percentile car college yards per reception. I, I mean, there's just – he. I don't have to – I mean, he's not an athlete. I mean, obviously, he's an NFL player. He's a way better athlete than any of us are. I'm not trying to say that. But comparatively to the NFL landscape and the NFL tight end landscape, he's in the bottom 13th percentile of NFL tight ends as far as athleticism goes. And you can weigh that in as much as you want. I know James weighs recent production more than – that and that's fine, and I'm going to give him credit for that. He had a good year, but my argument against him reproducing that is this: this offense was anemic and dysfunctional, and they had to do what they had to do to try to gain yards and try to win a couple of games. Right? Hmm. They had Jacoby Brissett, who is not good. Anybody who tries to tell you that Jacoby is Brissett is good or James, anybody who thinks the that he's the reason somebody would take a head coaching job is ridiculous. Nobody's <laughs> taking a head coaching job thinking, oh, good, I have Jacoby Brissett because he's bad. He's a bad quarterback. So he just he, turned into a monkey flinging poo all over the place. Right now, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to finish my point and then I'm going to let you guys talk. And then I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to rebuttal because we need to move on from Jack Doyle. I've, I've been arguing this for weeks and weeks and weeks. This offense was not a functioning offense. They, it, yeah. Jacoby Brissett is not good. That's where I was at. Right. Okay. We're back to that. Mm-hmm. That that's the reason Jack Doyle saw the volume that he did. Mm-hmm. That's the reason that the offense ran through Jack Doyle. It's is because of Jacoby Brissett and his his uh, man. How do I say it uh, <laughs> without being a total dick? He <laughs> now's the time to start filtering it. Just go for yeah. it. <laughs> 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 his uh, inadequacies as a quarterback, right, are are what led to and as a man, Jack Doyle. No, we all know. Never mind. <laughs> so that's what led to Jack Doyle being the centerpiece of an offense. Jack Doyle is not the centerpiece of an offense. I don't know why people like this. Isn't a hard concept. Oh, well, he's not a centerpiece. Jack Doyle that- is not the centerpiece of an offense, but he How was. Many tight ends are. He was this last year, and that's what it took. He he needed to be the center of the offense to finish as tight end seven, and that's my whole entire point is that's not a functioning offense. That's not going to happen. That's not what the coaches wanted to do. The coaches did not want – they didn't go into last year thinking, we're going to run our freaking offense through Jack Doyle because <laughs> he's not that type of player. He's not He's not a playmaker. He's not dynamic. He's He's – I mean, he's going to catch it. I don't know. I don't want to get into it because somebody's going to pull up yards after catch and, and think that they proved me wrong. That's my point. My point is you don't run an offense through this guy. You don't feed him. What did he have? Uh, where am I at? He had 108 targets, if that's what you're looking 108, for. 108 targets. Mm-hmm. That's nonsense, dude. I just, I, I mean, I'm pretty much done. I, I don't. So next year, even if, okay, if luck doesn't come back 
and they, for some stupid reason, decide to start Jacoby Brissett all year long, sure, Jack Doyle could have another good year. At, I mean, what was the, I don't even remember the stat now, but he was like tied for second lowest in um, yards per reception out of the tight end position this year. I'll have to go back and look at my Twitter to find that. I don't remember it, but it was pretty much that. It was pretty close. Like, He's not this. He's not a dynamic playmaker. He was volume based production, and and it's because that offense could not function properly. And there's no, there's absolutely no reason that Jack Doyle should be receiving more targets than T.Y. Hilton. I mean, if that's going on, something's wrong. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I guess, I guess I'll, uh, I guess I'll go. <laughs> As far, as far as Jack Doyle goes, no, I, I do agree with uh, with what a lot of what you said, Travis. Obviously, Jack Doyle shouldn't be targeted that much. 108 targets for Jack Doyle is, I mean, that's that's insane. Um, I, I guess my thing is, is that I, I blame Jacoby Brissett an awful lot less than you do. Um, Chuck Pagano is... I know you do. You think he's the core. reason that the coach is going to take the job. Look, Chuck Pagano's a poor head coach, okay? I mean, I, Andrew Luck's best year was when Chuck Pagano wasn't coaching and Bruce Arians took over. I mean, that that's yeah, – Chuck Pagano Bruce is – yeah, Bruce Arians was great, but Chuck Pagano just isn't. He's, he's not a good coach. He did that team no favors. That offensive line stinks. We've been saying it for Andrew Luck. We've been making it an excuse for him. But when Jacoby Brissett came in, we couldn't wait to throw him under the bus because he doesn't have the pedigree of Andrew Luck. And he's not even near as good, okay? So I'm not saying he is, but I'm just saying that he was working with the same set of circumstances that got Andrew Luck in, you know, on the sideline with a shoulder injury that no one knows what's going on with. So I guess my thing is, is that I don't think Jack Doyle is going to get 108 targets. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near that. But the year previous, he had 75 targets. He turned it into 59 receptions for 584 yards and five touchdowns. I think you can kind of expect that, which again, isn't, I mean, I mean, it's not a world beater right there, but I mean, that's, I, I don't know, a high end number two tight end probably. I mean, that's kind of the way the tight end position is. So, I mean, I'm not as down on Jack Doyle as you are, I guess. But I, I, I got to jump in real quick. That's who, that's who Jack Doyle is. And that's mm-hmm. 100% okay. And that was tight end 15 last year. Uh, sorry, in 2016. And that's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm trying to say is that he's a mid-range tight end too. And that's fine. But we've got people out here saying he's a top six guy or a top eight dynasty option, and that I just I don't agree with that. So if he's 500, 600 yards, sixty catches, five touchdowns, that's I'm not. He can absolutely produce that for the next six eight years. That I'm not arguing against that. I'm arguing against him being an elite or almost even almost or but you know even close to that tier. I just don't think that's him. I think he's going to fall off significantly. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I guess I'm with you then because I agree. I think that's kind of who Jack Doyle is and what what his role will be moving forward. But again, I I think a lot of it was was coaching and uh, and now that the coaching situation seems to have been figured out at least somewhat, um, you know, I, I I think it'll be interesting to see what Jack Jack Doyle's role is moving forward. But I think I think it's more in line with his 2016 stats than it is um, his 2017 stats. What do you think, John? All right, so, <laughs> uh, I, okay, so here's the thing. You just got your new head coach, was just the offensive coordinator for a tight end that we just talked about, who is the centerpiece of his offense. Well, beyond the quarterback. We know that Frank Reich wants to use the tight end. He used Zach Ertz a ton and uh, you, so, I mean, you know that they're gonna go, th- they're gonna go through him. And I, I mean, I don't think that he's that he's volume dependent, but I, I think that you know he's kind of getting a, a little bit of a bad rap here because he got volume anyways. You know, he's kind of one of those guys that you know if you've got Andrew Luck on the field, and you're actually you know your offense is moving the ball efficiently, then Jack Doyle. You know, his his volume goes way down, but his production and his efficiency can still go up. So 
I I don't know. I I I'm hesitant to 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 push him too far down. I mean, we know that the Colts use the tight end position. We know that Andrew Luck targets the tight end position, and we know that Frank Reich wants to use a tight end position. So, I to me, Jack Doyle is still somewhere around the bottom of the top ten for dynasty assets. I mean, I don't I don't know. Who I would necessarily gross, John Gross. Who, who are you? Are you going to take Jimmy Graham over Jack Doyle? I don't know. Let me look. <laughs> Let me look at my rankings. Is that what that is? That's, just, that's exactly what that is. Yep. Just, just stream of consciousness. Are you going to take yeah, Jimmy I Graham? Are, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, good luck with that. What about uh, Kyle Dude, Rudolph? This- Old injured Jimmy Graham is still twice the athlete that Jack Doyle is. Yeah, Kyle Rudolph's above him. I got the tight end position is not about athleticism. Okay, but it is to an extent though. It is to it, it has it factors in as to whether or not somebody is going to remain a focal point of an offense. Yeah, but if that's the point. He doesn't need to be the focal point of the offense. He's actually he better off when he's the not the focal point. point. He doesn't need the po- he doesn't need to be the focal point of an offense to be tight end fifteen. That's fine. I'm yeah. all on board with Jack Doyle tight end fifteen. Oh, oh but I'm. <laughs> but, to be, but to be di- dynasty tight end eight, that's where I take issue. Or top ten, like he's not. He has a top to be the. 10. For you, he has to be the the focal point to be top ten. I mean, we're looking at the the top no, ten I, right here, and we're seeing guys names like Jason Witt and Kyle Rudolph. Those guys are not focal point of an offense. Even in the top five, Delaney Walker no, is. My point is, my point is that Jack Doyle needed that focal point of the offense type volume to produce enough stats to be even in this conversation. That's I, my point. But I I disagree with that. Uh, and How I, could you possibly? His the stats are right here. Well, he got volume. That doesn't mean he needed volume. He got volume because who else are you going to throw to if Dude. you're Jacoby Brissett? You're going to throw to the biggest. He had guy eighty. Out there. He had 80, hmm. 80 receptions. Yeah, yeah. He got a ton of volume this year for six hundred and ninety yards, eight point six yards per reception. That's yeah. garbage, dude. You don't. You don't offense. funnel. You don't funnel 108 targets to a guy who's getting you 8.6 yards per reception. That's not what you do when you've got T.Y. Hilton on your team who leads the league in yards per reception and leads the league in in receiving yards. That's that's, – dude, that's so ridiculous. Jacoby Brissett cannot get the ball to T.Y. Hilton. And that's, that's my whole point. Issue. That's exactly my point. Okay, but Jacoby Brissett is not the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. You and I agree right. on that part. Yes. So Je- so Andrew Luck is going to come well, back and throw on. the ball to T.Y. Hilton, not Jack Doyle. Uh, hold on. Hold oh, on. God. Here we go Andrew with the Luck. Andrew Luck conversation. We got to go ahead. We'll save this for a different day. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we'll we'll come back to that one. But right now, tight end number eight, Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Minnesota Vikings. And the fact that Kyle Rudolph got to tight end eight, by the way, shocks me. Yeah, these last four or five shock me. Yeah. I mean, these guys were not somebody that you felt rolling out. You felt okay rolling out in your lineup every week last year. So that just speaks to how much of a crapshoot the tight end position is. Um, Kyle Rudolph had one game in, had one top five week and uh, three, four top 10 weeks. Six, six times inside the top. Yeah, so that's pretty much the stat I've got. So seven inside the top twelve. Yeah, and then five in inside the top twenty-four, and then he's got four finishes outside of the top twenty-five. So yeah. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty whatever. I, he was like a tight end that's, two most of the time, tight yeah. end one most of the time. But no, I'm sorry, that's tight end thing. two most of the time. Yeah, sorry, I'm stupid. Go ahead. That's the thing. That's what it takes to be a top ten, t- uh, top ten tight end. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the point on Jack Doyle. But I, I digress. Back to Kyle Rudolph. What uh, I mean, the quarterback situation. You had to get one more jab in there. <laughs> yeah. didn't you? I didn't even always, realize it. Always, <laughs> <laughs> always. All right. So Kyle Rudolph, the the quarterback situation likely changes from Case Keenum 
Although, you know, all of a sudden there's talks that maybe they bring back Keenum and Bridgewater. Uh, I don't know. Does anyone have an outlook? Does anyone even care? I kind of don't. I, I, I'm not I'm, going to own <laughs> Kyle Rudolph. I am currently indifferent on Kyle Rudolph. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just I'll just say this right quick though. Kyle Rudolph in 2016 had 132 targets. Whoa. He had 83 receptions for 840 Whoa. yards. Last year his targets went down to 81 targets. So from 132 down to 81, his receptions went down from 83 to 57 and his yards went down from 840 to 532. Really the only place he gained headway was touchdowns. He had 8 instead of 7. And that that got him into the top ten for tight ends. So um, I don't know. His usage has been really up and down these past like three seasons. Um, it's kind of a roller coaster ride. So it's hard to know what you're going to get out of Rudolph. But he's, I mean, he's right around five to pretty much five to nine touchdowns um, in the past six years of his career. So um, I think that that alone kind of gives you a little bit of stability, knowing that this guy's going to going to be used in the red zone a little bit um but yeah i i don't know i, I i'm kind of kind of the same travis i'm kind of indifferent on rudolph if i have him uh okay if i don't then you know i i can live with that too yeah and kind of what you just said uh, combined with my feeling i had already is kind of like this is probably pretty close to his floor so i mean i don't know man that he's a tight end you just keep him i don't know so let's go to tight end nine is jason witten and i just want to say real quick Jason Witten, for for if we're talking straight fantasy production versus value, uh, either that whether that's startup draft value or trade value, give me Jason Witten over Jack Doyle one hundred out of one hundred times. No, you're getting, dude. Are you kidding me? Let's not even get into this right now. <laughs> Jason Witten is the you're same right. guy. Jason Witten is thirty six. Yeah. And he's currently a better athlete than Jack Doyle. He is, he's, I mean, he's basically playing the same role. Like these are the, this is the same dude. He's scored 12 less fantasy points than Jack Doyle did. That's like what 0.8 per game or per week. Dude, give me, give me Jason Witten four or five rounds later than Jack Doyle. And they probably have the same career span two more years where they're relevant. And, this guy, I mean, Jason Witten's that perfect kind of he's the he's the perfect guy to have on your team when you're you've got all these young kind of upside guys that haven't really developed yet, and you can just roll Jason Witten out every single week. I did that on one of my rosters that was I finished number one in the league last year, and my tight end one was Jason Witten. I had a bunch of upside young guys behind him that I couldn't start. Jason Witten every single freaking week, dude. Roll him out there. He's going to get you five catches, whatever. I love Jason Witten, for, especially for the value that you can get him for right now. And I know John's over there cracking up. He didn't think Jason Witten was going to be a hot t- hot button subject here. but Yeah, I did. I did <laughs> not. I'm getting heartburn from this, the fact that I can't argue about this right now because we don't have time. <laughs> but we're going to come back to that one someday. All right, well, number 10 is Cameron Brait, and I'm going to go ahead and move on to him because Cameron Brait's um, super inconsistent last year. 77 targets, he had 48 grabs for 591 yards and six touchdowns. Um, there were games when he disappeared and then games where he put up some monster numbers. Um, personally, I'm staying away from Cameron Brait. Um, Chris Godwin's going to demand more three wide receiver sets. I really feel like he really, uh, when he got some playing time, he he held his own. OJ Howard is going to be a bigger part of this offense. I mean, you don't spend a high pick on a tight end like that and and not increase his role as time moves on. And I think that just all cuts into Cameron Brait, uh, his playing time and his value moving forward. Uh, I'm definitely out on Cameron Brait. So uh, I think that's the highest he's going to finish unless he finds a new team sometime. But uh, that's all I got for Cameron Brait. So I just want to add in real quick, I did have a stat here that Cameron Brait had seven games outside the top 25 tight end finishes. Six of them came after week eight. Um, And one of those good finishes was week 17 when OJ Howard was out. So, and then Howard, OJ Howard had um, top 14 tight end finishes in four of his last seven games. So, 
it wasn't like this hit you in the face kind of correlation, but there's definitely a correlation, I think, in OJ Howard coming on towards the end of the year and Cameron Brake kind of dropping off. All right, John gets the pleasure of talking about Mr. Benjamin Watson here. <laughs> That's right. And I kinda I kinda have a feeling so Benjamin Watson, you know, tight end nine or, or uh, tight end uh eleven in 2017. Um, and I mean, he was kind of the last man standing for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they, they had a ridiculous list of tight ends. Unfortunately, I think the, this is probably the end of the road for Dennis Pitta. Crockett Gilmore is getting close to that as well. Max Williams seems like a bust. And I, I, that just kind of left Benjamin, Benjamin Watson. I think they go after somebody in the off season. And, uh, you know, Benjamin Watson's, what, 37 years old, be 38 when the season starts, I believe. So, you know, it, it, for da- for dynasty purposes, there's absolutely no value left there. I don't think you can even trade him. Um, and uh, I I have a feeling they go after a Cameron Brait. I think that would be a great fit in that offense. So yeah, Benjamin Watson, one last day in the sun. Awesome, Travis. You want to uh, you want to finish us off here uh, with our top twelve tight ends, talking about some Jared Cook. Sure. <laughs> hey, um, don't say anything I've always ridiculous, kinda... man. We're trying to get through this. I know, I know. In this, I will I say, I don't think you. this is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't think this is ridiculous. I've always kind of had a little man crush on Jared Cook. Oh, okay. Uh, no, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Oh, me okay. too. <laughs> nice. And and I was really like, I really liked the move to the Raiders. And I don't, he had a decent year. He tight end 12. We all know tight end 12 is like garbage production anyways, but yeah, it's cool to see him up here. Um, if you've got him, I mean, I don't. I don't really see any move to make to to make your team better, uh, whether buying or selling. I. Uh, he's Jared Cook, you know. I mean, you're going to get six usable games a year out of this guy, and kind of. I don't know. Play matchups. You know. I don't know. Like, what do you got to say about Jared Cook? We all know he's not this elite option that he was once touted to be. But yeah, he is what it is. He's Jared Cook. Yeah. Yeah, it, he's he he's kind of a safe low end tight end tight end one guy. I mean, that's where he finished. That's where he's going to continue to finish. I think, um, you know, I, yeah. I think him, so Jack Doyle, <laughs> Cameron Bray, several of these guys, they're just gonna hang out in that range, and maybe they'll kind of shift in and out of the of the tight end one to low end or to high end tight end two range. I'm perfectly okay with Jack Doyle being in the same conversation as Jared Cook. Okay. And Cameron Bray. Okay. Cool. Like he he's one of those lower, like top tier, almost kind of tight end to maybe every once in a while we'll have a season inside the top twelve. That's a I'm totally cool with that assessment. My issue is when people try to say he's a top eight dynasty tight end. But we're trying to on. get out of here. We're trying I know, I know, I know. So I real quick, one one word answer. For both of you, we didn't plan on talking about Eric Ebron because he's tight end 13, but I added him in here because he he finished 0.4 points behind Jared Cook. So he's almost, I mean, we're 0.4, less than half a fantasy point away from being in this discussion. So one word answer, are you buying or selling Eric Ebron? Sell. So, yeah, I'll, I'll buy there we go. He's still an enigma. All right. So yep. we got, <laughs> we'll uh, explain that in a future episode. <laughs> Whoa. Yep. Why there we I go. So we got one. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Ebron does that to me, apparently. All right. Uh... <laughs> so one last segment here, John, you want to hit us off here? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do some sleepers. Let's we'll uh, bring up some deep sleeper tight ends. Um, for dynasty players to target going into 2018. And uh, I, I'll go ahead and start because, you know, I had to sit here and listen to, you know, Jason, how great Jason Witten is. And here's my problem with Jason Witten. He's not even the best tight end on that team. Rico Gathers, 
go buy Rico Gathers right now. You can get him super cheap, and he is going to be he he can be a focal point of that offense. And they've got a quarterback who needs a tight end to throw to. They don't have other receiving options. You can't just run Zeke into the ground and expect him to to survive an entire season. Rico Gathers is going to be a big part of that offense. He's a big, athletic guy. He's one of those guys that everybody will make sure and point out, so I'm going to do it too, that he did play basketball in college, and those skills translate into the NFL, especially in the red zone. So Rico Gathers is going to be a fun one. Cool. Yeah, I like I like Rico. And as like late, I mean, he's he's really down there mm-hmm. as far as uh, draft position and trade value. So yep, it's all it's pretty much all upside built in at that point. Um, so my guys, Vance McDonald. I originally had George Kittle here, but you guys laughed at me and said that, that was chalk. So I, <laughs> I changed to a different guy. Um, I really like Vance McDonald. I think he's been underrated and he he's a playmaking tight end. This guy's dynamic. He's you guys. I mean, I'm becoming the freaking like metric athlete one out of this group here, but <laughs> I, I wasn't, it's not my intention, but this guy's, this guy's an athlete, man. He is a dynamic playmaker and he's an, he's actually really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so he's, I mean, I can just list off all this crap that nobody cares about. He's a second round pick, uh, 6'4, 267. He's, he's a prototypical, like, number one tight end build. He was, he's got good draft pedigree. He's 72nd percentile 40 time, uh, 84th percentile speed score. He's got above average athleticism across the board. And he's shown it in the NFL, James. I know you're shaking your head at me. I can't even see you right now, but I know you're shaking your head at me. Listen, all these stats off. But he's shown it in the NFL. He's produced, and he's shown that he is—he is an elite weapon for an offense. He is in the same conversation as far as ability as the top tier guys: the Ertz, the Kelsey. Maybe not quite the Gronk, but he's up there as far as this guy has the ability to be not just a catch it and fall down kind of guy, not just a red zone weapon, but you can throw this, you can throw the ball to this guy 30, 40 yards down the field. He's going to break tackles. He's going to make a play. And his problems, his problem thus far has kind of been just staying on the field. Um, And I hope, I hope he stays with the Pittsburgh Steelers, honestly, and gets that old man, Jesse James out of there and and gets an opportunity to perform and and be you know the second or third option on team i think he could absolutely finish top 10 tight end next year yeah it's that's interesting i i think uh i think he's definitely option four in that passing offense but that's that's all i'll say um i i'm gonna go with gerald everett and if you want to talk about a physical specimen gerald everett is that guy um, this was a guy who came out of South Alabama last year and really showed his athleticism. Um, he's 6'3", 239 pounds. Um, he, he had some some questions about his hand size coming out of school, but um, I, I think last year he kind of he flashed a little bit and he didn't get the playing time that I, I kind of thought he would, but Tyler Higby is also there. I think Gerald Everett is the guy. I mean, this is the guy that this offense kind of kind of tagged as their next their next tight end, the tight end that they want um, in this offense to kind of take on the receiving role. He didn't do a whole lot. He had 32 targets, and on that he had 16 receptions for 244 yards and two touchdowns this past season. But the athleticism was there. You kind of saw flashes of it, um, as evident by his 69-yard long uh, reception that he had. Um, you see the athleticism. You see the, the physical traits that are there. Um you know, I guess I can throw it out there too. This guy was a basketball player, uh, you know, in college, um, out of South Alabama. No, he's he's just a, a physical specimen. He's going to be a matchup nightmare for linebackers. I think once he gets the position down, this is going to be a guy that's going to going to be a big boom. Um, and I'm buying him now before that happens. So Gerald Everett's my guy, um, and the more I watch him, the more I like him. So um, I expect an increased role for him this upcoming year, and his price tag just to go up. So I'd buy him now if you could. A big dude with little hands, perfect for porn. 
which is the ultimate landing spot for everyone of oh these tight gosh. ends <laughs> for their second career. So uh, that's going to do it for the tight end position. My dad and listens to these shows. Does he? You're killing me. <laughs> do, we, do we have to just tell him to earmuff it? I mean, I, <laughs> no, as long as my mom doesn't listen, we're good. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. There you go. Yeah. No moms, no kids. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is an NSFW uh, episode of the Super Flexible podcast. But that's going to do it for the tight end position and for the entire position dissection. So good to be done with that. Sit back and uh, sigh a, bre- a breath of relief. And we'll be back later this week to... Uh, what are we going to talk about next, Travis? Oh, man, I'm so excited. We're going to do a free agency mock draft. We're all going to form our best teams via snake draft with all the available free agents. So it's going to be a fun episode for sure. Oh, That's going to be, be fun. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, yeah, don't miss that. That's coming up here in just a couple days. And until then, bye. Bye.